Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, January 10th. Happy Peculiar People Day, when we celebrate the peculiarities and eccentricities of our friends and family, which, I mean, I live in Florida, so ain't gotta walk too far, know what I'm saying? If you're looking for weirdos, Florida's covered up with them like ants on a candy bar. It's almost like we're the norm and y'all regular people are the freaks, which in itself is also freaky. So, double irony. But I gotta tell you, calendar people, this one's a big swing and a miss, cause y'all overlooked a zillion Bible verses about how Jews and Christians are supposed to be God's weirdos, basically. The Bible literally uses the exact phrase peculiar people five times in both testaments. It's the Jews and Christians whole raison d'etre, really. How God pulled us all off to the side to be his family and to worship him instead of like movie stars or presidents or FSU football like all them normal worldly people do. And I get where the normies are coming from. I really do. That big old book the Lord gave us is just chock full of really weird stuff. Like arcs and floating axe heads and talking donkeys and loving your enemies for Pete's sake. And not only do we Bible types have the nerve to believe in it, we actually structure our lives as if it was all real. Darn which puts us so at odds with the worldly crowd that most of them want to kill us for it. So then why would anybody in their right mind ever follow God and that crazy book of his? Well, every time they try to discredit it, the Bible always seems to come out legit. So there's that. But the real catch is, if you don't like God and don't want to live in his house with him forever, there ain't a bunch of other choices for you. And take my word for it. Spending eternity with a God who loves you is way better than door number two. Our reading for today is Genesis 23, 1-24-51, Matthew 8, 1-17, Psalm 9, 13-20, and Proverbs 3, 1-6. So if y'all are ready, seriously, you think it's hot down here in Florida? Just wait. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on the 9th, in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 20, verse 1 through 22, 24. And after all that business with Sodom goes down, Abe decides to go south, and he ends up between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And remember when back in Egypt he told Pharaoh, no, she's my sister? Well, he pulls that again with Abimelech, king of Gerar. And I don't know why he would do this again. He has a small army and God on his side unless he didn't want to get them all killed, or maybe they went alone and left the army up by Sodom, or maybe he did this on purpose thinking he'd get rich again, like some kind of whitewater con, where they just sell Sarah and repossess her over and over. But whatever, they do it again. And whereas it was a big deal the first time, this time it gets one verse. Verse 2, And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. And here's a question. Sarah's 90 or 91 by now, maybe. And we've already established that even back then, with the slightly longer lifespan still hanging on, they're not that long anymore. 90 is still old. What is it about Sarah that makes her such a commodity that even kings want her? Barnes' commentary says, Sarah was as youthful in look as a person of 40 would now be. She had, moreover, no family, was remarkable for her good looks, and was, at present, no doubt, renewed in health and vigor. 
and Barn cites Genesis 12:11 as evidence that she was now renewed in health and vigor, but that verse just says, And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon, and that means nothing here. So, way to let us down, Barnes. <laughs> I say there must have been something supernatural about her, because God. There seems to be two kinds of Christians, those that want to find a naturalistic explanation for everything in the Bible, and those who want to say every last thing in the Bible is a miracle. And then there's us, me and all y'all out there listening, who just want to know what the truth is, and are just as comfortable on either side of that aisle. Anyway, this time God came to Abimelech in a dream by night, and said to him, You gotta give her back, or I gotta kill you. Your call. And Abimelech's like, hey, this was a good faith agreement. My hands are clean here. And God's like, well, they ain't exactly clean. You did just kidnap a woman after all. But I know you ain't know no better. And that's why we're talking in a dream instead of through like a plague of boils or fiery serpents or whatnot. And God says, look, Abimelech, Abe's a prophet of mine. Give Sarah back and he'll pray for you. And then we good or don't and roll them dice. Therefore, Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things in their ears, and the men were sore afraid. And I'm sure they were. And he sends for Abe and says, hey, guess what happened to me last night? Why you do me that way? And Abe basically says, well, that's just how we roll. When God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, at every place whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. And by this time, Abimelech's had about enough and he took sheep and oxen and men servants and women servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleaseth thee. Just get away from me. And verse 17 is interesting. It says, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah Abraham's wife. And that makes me think that this was not Abe running a whitewater scam. That maybe God orchestrated this whole thing as a way to bless Abimelech. So why go through all that? Why not just heal him? I don't know. God does stuff like that. Probably had something to do with all of them back then learning a lesson, and all of us right now learning a lesson, and illustrating something prophetic that apparently went over the heads of the experts. Whatever. God does nothing on accident. If you dig right there, you'll probably find treasure. But anyway, in chapter 21... Just like God's been promising, Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, when he was a hundred years old, at the set time of which God had spoken to him, right on schedule. He'd been promising for like 70 years, but that's still right on schedule. <laughs> and Abraham called the name of his son Isaac, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And that's just her way of saying how happy she was to finally have her own child. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Because remember when God told Hagar he wasn't going to get along with anybody? Well, here we are. So she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son. And Abraham don't want to do it. That's his boy after all. But God said, no, go ahead and send him out. It's about time for him to get to work on that great nation that I'm going to make for him. And they don't need to be involved with what I'm going to do with Isaac. He's going to end up being a threat anyway. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And that's worded weird, as if to say she put Ishmael over her shoulder with the bread and water 
But Ishmael was pretty much a grown man. He was between 16 and 21 by this point. But anyway, they get out to the desert, and Jewish tradition says they got lost and ran out of water. And she figures they're both going to die. So she walks off about a bowshot distance so she don't have to watch it happen. And I suspect Ishmael, being a tough young man like he is, gave his mom all the water. So he may be way more dehydrated than she is. But God shows up and explains, I already told you he's going to be a great nation. Y'all got to start having more faith in me. Look over there. See that well? Go get some water for your boy. Everything's going to be all right. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. Meanwhile, back at Gerar, Abraham and Abimelech get in an argument about a well of water. And Abe's like, your guys stole my well. And Abimelech's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But they finally come to an agreement that Abe gets the well. Wherefore, he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear, both of them. And verse 28 says, And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? Well, probably what it means is the similarity of the Hebrew word Sheba, which means seven, and Shaba, which means swear, seems to indicate that there's a connection between the two of them. So Beersheba may mean well of seven or well of swearing or well of the oath or all of those things. The Hebrew word for to swear means to seven oneself or to pledge oneself by seven sacred things. And I don't know what all that means, but it's got to be something. And then in verse 22, we have the offering of Isaac, what they call the Akidah. And lots of people have giant problems with this, but pay attention to all the symbolism and don't read anything into it, and you'll see this is all about prophecy. So a lot of time has gone by. Isaac's maybe about 30 years old. And the Lord appeared to Abraham again and said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So he wants him to sacrifice his only son that he loves on a mountain in Moriah. Where's that? Well, there's a giant Muslim temple with a golden dome on top sitting there today. And Abe doesn't hesitate. He either knows what's up or he's just finally learned to have faith. But he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Why a three-day journey? Because that'll be important later. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. T.D. Jake said one time, Sometimes when you and God gotta go do something, you gotta tell the folks you're with to stay with the asses. Some people just gotta stay with the asses. So Abe and Isaac head on off up the hill. And Isaac's like, Wood? Check. Fire? Check. Mountain? Check. Lamb? Uh, Dad? I think we forgot something. And Abe's like, nah, we good. And Isaac's like, no, really, what's the deal? Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And notice he doesn't say God will provide a lamb, but God will provide himself a lamb. Big deal, big difference. And verse 9 says, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, because that's what Abraham does. He builds altars everywhere he goes. And laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. 
So why is Isaac willing to cooperate with all this? And why is Abe willing to do it for that matter? Because they both already know that Isaac's going to father a great nation. Abe knows even if he does kill Isaac, God's going to have to resurrect him. Because God always makes good on his promises. Fortunately, it doesn't come to that. Because the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, had to say it twice. But Abe said, here I am. And God's like, we cool, you can stop that now. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And verse 17 seems to indicate that it turns out this acting out of prophecy was another kind of covenant. And now the great nation thing can go ahead and take place. Apparently, this is what we were waiting on. And the chapter wraps up by explaining that Abe's brother, Nahor, has also built up quite a family for himself, too. So who cares about that? Well, sit tight. I'll tell you in a minute. This portion has some difficult things to understand from our perspective unless we know God or want to know him and not our idea of him, but really know him. We see Abraham benefiting again from lying. Hagar, a single mother sent away by the father of her child and human sacrifice. Abraham knew God and it gave him the necessary confidence to do or consider doing some things. He knew before we did that God works all things for the good. We see Abraham, father of many nations, increase in his confidence in God. And Sarah, the princess, by faith receives strength to conceive carry and bear a child in her old age. Remember words matter and by changing their names, they and others spoke in agreement with God on their future. I mean, this is huge. All kinds of good came out of this. Abimelech talked with God. Ishmael learned how to pray. Abraham and Isaac knew God could be trusted with life, with what we hold dear. God calls Abraham a prophet. And we know a prophet foretells the future, but Abraham lied out of fear in the present world. In spite of the fact that God told him the future at the covenant ceremony before changing their names and establishing circumcision. Abraham's life is the prophecy, the pattern to look for in our lives of faith. Times of testing, failing tests, but still made happy or blessed by the Lord. Emphasis is on grace in the life of Abraham. The call, the covenant, the duty all come before the law and the cross. By the end of this portion of our reading, we see that God found a man to believe him and blessing is being poured out in the earth once again. And Rebecca is introduced. And then in the New Testament, we read Matthew seven fifteen through 29. And that starts out, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves, which we never seem to run out of, but you can know them by their fruits. You know how we're not saved by our works, but by faith? But how faith without works is dead? Well, here's one reason, because you can tell where somebody's heart is by the way they behave. And all those trees that bring bad fruit need to be cut down. Because just saying Jesus is Lord don't mean you really think he is. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, he that doeth the will. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which has built his house upon a rock, a strong foundation in other words. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, which we know all about down here in Floridia building your houses upon sand. 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Yep, seen it happen. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Yeah, I'm sure. Almost nobody believes it today, 2,000 years later. Chuck Missler says that we are fruit inspectors, and these passages support that statement. Good trees bear good fruit. They can't bear bad fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. They cannot bear good fruit. And Jesus is talking about believers here. Later, he says not everyone that is religious and does good works knows him. Not all that claim to believe him are obedient to him. Unfortunately, that is so true in our lives. Like Abraham, we are not always obedient. Those that are disobedient run the risk of being castaways. They don't make it. They don't finish. Paul knew about this because he warns us to be vigilant in the New Testament and outlines the fruit of the Spirit. Peter also addresses this potential as well. So does the author of Hebrews. We practice inspection of our own fruit to find honed discernment and to not fall prey to false prophets or false teachers. And it occurs to me that Lot spent all that time with Abraham. He shared an Abraham's blessing just due to his proximity to Abraham. It appears he lost his wealth or simply placed it elsewhere when he entered the leadership of Sodom. His wealth may have bought him that position, but it did not serve him or his family like he thought. We see later in 2 Peter 2.7 that God rescued just or righteous Lot. He called Lot just. He called Lot righteous. And that Lot was vexed or tormented with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. He was in leadership and tormented by wickedness, but not enough to leave. We have read and will read again that the righteous are to contend with wickedness, not tolerate it, because it will creep into our lives and take over. A little leaven permeates the whole loaf kind of thing. And Jesus spoke with authority even before he beat Satan and took it all back for us. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 9, 1 through 12, and that's a Psalm of David. And he says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will shew forth all thy marvelous works. Not only will I praise you, I'll brag on you too. He says, thou hast rebuked the heathen, thou hast destroyed the wicked, thou hast put out their name forever and ever. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. And that's kind of the theme of the whole thing. Then he says, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. So we can't forget that. But we stop reading in verse 12. Only the first 12 verses of this Psalm of David. As always, David starts out with praise. We will read later that praise, commendation, gratitude, giving God full credit brings us into his courts. The court is where we petition. It's where we pray. David continues now, sing praises and declare among the people the great things God has done. Declare it in song, like the song of Moses, maybe. I mean, this is humility in action. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 2, 16 through 22. And again, he's reiterating why to seek after wisdom. Read that why to not be stupid. <laughs> and one reason is to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. And I'm pretty sure everybody's dated that girl at least once. And same goes for y'all women too. I know all y'all got a story or two like that. 
And another reason is that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. And we continue to learn about the benefits of wisdom. She will rescue us from that strange woman, folly. We can know her wisdom and follow her lead, or know folly and regret it. Right now, we're listening for wisdom as we take the Word of God to heart. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 10th is Genesis 23.1-24.51. And Sarah was an hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord, thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth. And Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein I give it thee. In the presence of the sons of my people give I it thee. Bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me, the land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that betwixt me and thee? Bury therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field, and the cave which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field, that were in all the borders round about, were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth, before all that went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Chapter 24 And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac." And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, 
and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master, and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose, and went to Mesopotamia, unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and shew kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shewed kindness unto my master. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born unto Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well, and filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her, and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted, and let down her pitcher upon her hand, and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also, until they have done drinking. And she hasted, and emptied her pitcher into the trough, and ran again unto the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace, to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight, and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold, and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. She said, Moreover unto him we have both straw and provender enough, and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran, and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earring and bracelets upon his sister's hands, and when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord, wherefore thou standest thou without, for I have prepared the house and room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, and gave straw and provender for the camels, and water to wash his feet, and the men's feet that were with him. And there was a set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, Speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, 
peradventure the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, The Lord, before whom I walk, will send his angel with thee, and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife from my son, of my kindred, and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath, when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came this day unto the well, and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water. And it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down unto the well, and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste, and let down her pitcher from her shoulder, and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her, and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earring upon her face, and the bracelets upon her hands. And I bowed down my head, and worshipped the Lord, and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And now, if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. Our reading in the New Testament for January 10th is Matthew 8, 1-17. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, shew thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Our reading in Psalms for January 10th is Psalm 9, 13-20. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, that thou liftest me up from the gates of death, 
that I may shew forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higeion, Selah, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. And our reading in Proverbs for January 10th is Proverbs 3, 1-6. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart, so that thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. All right, that's got it for the 10th. All right, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Matthew 26, 31, which says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me a little while on the Lord's protection, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, Jesus knew his sheep would be scattered after his death, but he prayed fervently in love that they would be protected, have joy, be one people, and love one another. Being in this sinful, fallen world, and yet not being of this world, makes believers vulnerable to being persecuted for their faith. Many of us cave under the mildest persecution. Still many others choose poverty, suffering, and even physical death before they deny Jesus. Lord, we pray we are counted worthy to receive persecution, and that we have the strength to endure. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawning I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better for anybody, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Man, there's sirens, and there's planes going over, and there's cars going by, and I'm never going to get done with all this.